I've also started my recording. Hi, I'm Craig, now recording. I don't understand that reference. <laughs> Craig is a Discord bot that you can put in that will record your audio for you in case you don't have actual audio recording software. Huh. And, whenever, and then whenever he, like, you activate him, you, like, you give him the command, and then you just hear the disembodied voice in the call that goes, now recording. Huh. That is good to know, I suppose? In my opinion, the developer should have made him sound like Craig Ferguson. <laughs> recording. Now recording. It's a great day in Discord, everybody. My apologies to everyone Scottish who I offended with my attempt at a Scottish accent. <laughs> These are extremely powerful eyebrows. They look like they're about to seed from the rest of my face. <laughs> okay, now that sounds like something that I would say. <laughs> that's that's from that's from when twelve uh, the doctor had regenerated into twelfth, and what's ah, his name? I've forgotten his name. Peter Capaldi. Thank you. I was about to say Colin Mockery, which is extremely wrong. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have any eyebrows. <laughs> and Peter Capaldi, very Scottish. Has a very Scottish monologue while he has amnesia. <laughs> Just starts yelling at a random Victorian man about how Scottish he is and how he's surprised by this. <laughs> I mean, that sounds fun. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no Scots in this episode. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know where we would put them, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's on the shirt. <laughs> Next season, Rory's shirt would say Scottish. He's Irish, though. I know. <laughs> it's Flynn from Power Rangers RPM. He walks out with the shirt and just says, I'm Scottish. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Sorry if this is weird to any Scottish listeners. Oh, I'm sure you're happy to know that we love you all so much better than the English. <laughs> it's a I think low that's bar, a pretty but you clear low, it. That's a, that's a low bar to surpass. <laughs> and if there's any English listeners out there, I mean, you know what you did. <laughs> Yeah. If, if if you do not fully understand why a lot of people don't like the English, then I think you're watching Glee for the wrong reasons. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I don't know how well that pipeline works, but I feel like it's there. If you're watching Glee in the Year of Our Lord 2021, and you don't understand why people hate the English. <laughs> <laughs> they had a whole episode about it. Wait, Glee had a whole episode about it? No, they didn't, but can you imagine what that episode would look like? <laughs> It would just be Hamilton. <laughs> no! Don't put that out. You know you know that the, the top priority of the Glee boot, the real-life Glee boot, will be having a Hamilton episode. Hey, you know what? Like, if they still- if they, if they do it, they would have to do it under the realm of the rat's domain. And you know who is kind of in the rat's domain? Hamilton. Is the streaming rights to Hamilton. Exactly. <laughs> and Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda will be on. What if Lin-Manuel Miranda plays the new Glee Club director because they probably won't bring Matthew Morrison back in because the concept of Mr. Shu, I think at this point they at least know that a lot of people don't like Mr. Shu, so they're bringing yeah. a new Mr. Shu. I... And he'll be played by Lin-Manuel Miranda, but he will be just as bad. I, I was going to say, I would be willing to give Lin-Manuel Miranda a chance if his character was in any way more resembling a real human being with thoughts and feelings than Will Schuster. Lin-Manuel Miranda barely resembles a real human being, so like... Hey, I think he's nice. Does he have his problems? Yes. But I think they even out. Okay. I don't we have now come to like the that. end of the debate portion of our podcast intro. <laughs> and this is when someone hits a pedestal with a gavel and we shake hands and then we go off to have our performance judged by the forensics coaches. <laughs> yes. 
But while we do that, let's count our way into the podcast. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hello and welcome to Loser Like Me. It's a podcast where we watch an episode of Glee because it was born that way. <laughs> and according to the song, God makes no mistakes. <laughs> I have some questions about that, though. <laughs> this was a man's mistake. Yes, this was a human mistake. Anyways, I'm Tanner and I like boys. I like boys. I like boys. I like boys. <laughs> And my name is Christina, and I'm running for prom queen. Well, you have my vote. <laughs> well, thank you. It'd be the only vote that I ever got, because I didn't actually run for prom queen. I would probably be your running mate. <laughs> thank you. You'd think if we all went to the same high school that Lindsay would be my running mate, but no, Lindsay would be like the treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is fair. Mm -hmm. That just took me back to the realm of... 2011 to 2013 in Tumblr prom, and I can't go there again. You know, Tumblr prom was at least, like, an, the, a good idea. I, I would take Tumblr prom any day over Tumblr University or DashCon. Fucking absolutely, mate. <laughs> absolutely. Like, literally, literally, all Tumblr prom was, was, like, you have a randomly government-assigned date, and then just post nice pictures of yourself in a nice outfit. That's mm -hmm. really all it was. Which is good. I, I was also thinking of having a Tumblr prom in person. See, no, that's bad, because that's DashCon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Today, we are watching the episode Born This Way, episode 18 of season 2, which is a special 90-minute long episode, which yeah. is why it took me so long, and I have four pages of notes. This episode got an extra half hour in the ball pit. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, I personally didn't, I didn't feel like it was 90 minutes, except for, like, how much shit they crammed in. Yeah, I was like, this is this is a dense episode. Did this air on HBO? Why is this 56 minute long? Do we know why it was that because long? Because they had to teach people that it was okay to be gay. <sighs> because apparently the, the previous season and 17 episodes hadn't done an effort at doing that. <laughs> I mean, there's other stuff they're trying to teach you. Did they? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Anyways, the episode aired on April 26th of 2011. It was written by Brad Falchuk, poorly, I may mention, and it was directed by Alfonso Gomez-Rijan, who did the best he had. I'm just going to go ahead and call my shot ahead of time that there were some good moments in this episode, but the parts that weren't good, they, they fell like a lead balloon. It's an even 50-50 of good and bad. Yeah. And, and I was getting a little slap happy in my note taking about halfway through because it was <laughs> fully after midnight. Yeah. And also, we're not used to having, like, an extra 20% of Glee to have to watch. So we should just get into it. Yeah, let's just get into it. It starts with a red flag in the previous on segment because the previous on segment just, like, remember, remember how I said they did, like, pretty good talking about Emma's stuff um, during yeah. the, the, the sexy episode? 
Well, this time yeah. it just straight up says Emma's crazy, and it's getting real annoying for Will. Yeah. The rest of the recap is Quinn wants to be prom queen. Kurt left McKinley because of a homophobic death threat and bullying from Karofsky, and now he's with Blaine at Gay Narnia School, and Britannia is also a thing. Anyway, it's time for booty camp! Booty camp! It's time for everyone to learn how to dance. Uh, Finn is doing great for approximately two seconds and he immediately punches Rachel in the face and kills her. But up, up, up! That's what you missed on Glee. <laughs> Gosh, could you imagine? <laughs> but yeah, everyone is kind of like, oh god, there's blood on the stage, it's been christened, what do we do now? Yeah, and Rachel's nose broken. In reality, it's probably actually already been christened many times over by all the hardworking theater set people who have worked on this stage absolutely but now the glee club broke it in also good news it's a clean break because we then cut to the worst doctor i hate this man yeah we cut to finn and rachel at the doctor's office and this time she does mention that her dads are gonna be there in 15 minutes but finn's there for now and the doctor is immediately like yeah your nose is gonna be fine but have you considered a nose job i can fix your deviated septum which will make you sing better also, give me money for this expensive optional surgery. Or no, not yeah. optional, elective surgery. Yeah, and he's he's like, also, if you want to like go into entertainment, you should consider getting a nose that's more appealing. Just like all the other Jewish girls. I did it for my daughters on their 16th birthday. Which is just horrifying, kind of. Yeah. This episode is borderline anti-Semitic, if not fully crossing it. I, I think the only thing that keeps it from crossing into full anti-Semitism is the overcompensating they did with Puck. Um, but we'll we'll get there when we get there. Send us an email. <laughs> yeah, I real quick want to address that this whole Rachel getting a nose job plot was cut from being foreshadowed because they had a scene in original song that they cut where Quinn and Rachel were doing songwriting and Quinn told Rachel that she should not get a nose job and Rachel was like, but how did you know that I'd been thinking about getting one? And Quinn is like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't get a nose job. You're beautiful as the way you are. <laughs> or some something like that. Yeah. Some heterosexual something like that. <laughs> it's mm, Jury's out on whether it would have been better or worse because if they did that in that episode then they wouldn't have been able to do this plot. Yeah. Either that or it would just be someone else encouraging Rachel to get a nose job. Can you imagine what the episode would be like if it was Santana who accompanied Rachel to so that Rachel could get Santana's nose? I feel like Rachel would have gotten the rhinoplasty within the first 10 minutes of the episode because Santana wouldn't have let her say no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, the so yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just a real made me real angry doctor who was clearly like pressuring yeah. Rachel into getting a nose job. You have you have uh, no Rachel, chance of success. Who is a minor and then who also turns to Finn who's there and he says, Oh, is she your girlfriend? To Finn and Finn's like, No. And the doctor is like, What's your girlfriend's nose look like? I bet that's pretty. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God. This is a doctor who's been fully parasitically infested by the capitalist medical system in the United States. <laughs> yeah, it's creepy. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. I want to say it's portrayed as bad, but I'm not even sure if they were trying. Like, I I, I might just be projecting and saying, well, obviously this guy is bad. But they, the, I think the episode might just be trying to say, oh, he's a doctor. It's what the doctor do. <laughs> oh, God. Ugh, I don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. 
so uh, Rachel announces this consideration to the club in the next scene, mm-hmm. and she's like, I've embraced my nose, but what if I didn't, <laughs> and instead got a Quinn nose? Yeah, she literally says, like, oh, I could have a more demure nose, like Quinn, and in the background, Lauren is rolling her eyes, <laughs> and everyone is like, okay, Rachel, but why are you wanting to get your nose fixed, and is this the part where Sanjana goes off on a on a riff? Pretty much, because Will Will says that the nose job could risk yeah. Rachel's voice, and Tantana's like, oh, whatever, Rachel's got a big bit of a schnoz. I bet everyone has stuff that they want to change about themselves. And then she gets real mean. Yeah, and it's not even, like, funny bitchy, it's just mean. Yeah, it's not like, it's not like when Santana said that Will needs to be put in a 12-step program for his addiction to vests. Yeah, no, she, like, because she makes fun of Cord's mouth. Not Sam's mouth, it's Cord's mouth, which, mm-hmm. th- those jokes just ring so much worse now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she makes fun of his mouth and Tita Jenna's eyes and... Artie's legs. Artie's legs. Says he should get rid of the legs because he's not using them. Which is t- t- fucking terrible. And Finn's nipples. <laughs> I, I'm trying to go in order of the, all the, the... Sorry, so sorry. I, I'm sorry. I just, it's just that I practically read out the entire transcript of this episode. <laughs> oh my god, Tanner. <laughs> so, there's so much fucking stuff going on. So she... <laughs> she, yeah, she says that uh, I'm sure Tina's been looking into getting an ID slanting, which I think I had to take a walk about the room after that. Oh like, my how god. do you even get that said? Tina calls her out for being extremely racist, and then Mike's like, yeah. but Tina, you're wearing blue contacts today. Self-hating Asian. Look, if anyone in Glee is going to be into cosplay, it's Tina. Yeah, no. She could have been in cosplay. No, but this is ex- explicitly framed as like, well, a lot of Asian people, like, it's an inherited trait that they have brown eyes, and so there's why a lot of people will wear contacts so that they have the quote-unquote more interesting eyes. <sighs> it's something that, I think it's something that comes up in a lot of just straight-up non-white communities uh when as tina says i'm not self-hating i'm just mirroring what i see in the magazine which is like it's kind of like throwing a hammer it's, it's, it's it would be one of those things where it's like the all the subtlety of hitting the show with a hammer in terms of this is the moral but yeah. this episode is so like loose and unfocused that it's really more just like throwing a hammer into a room and hoping it hits a nail <laughs> that's a good metaphor <laughs> That's a, that's a lot. There's there, there's an assortment of nails and hammers in this episode, but they all just kind of got hucked into a room, and somehow some <laughs> of them stuck, but who knows where. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's explicitly framed as like, well, this is uh, a race thing. Santana says Finn has weird puffy pyramid nipples, and then as she says this, Sam tries to sneak a peek, and they should have kissed at some point, but that's not important. The point is... <laughs> yeah. Will calls her out for being just a huge, nasty person. And is like, um, the things that make you different, what makes you different, makes you beautiful. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to go with Shrek the Musical. What makes us special? What makes us special? They have a whole song about it. I've never seen the Shrexical. It's pretty good. Take your word for it. Yeah, he's like, what makes you different makes you beautiful. And Mercedes is like, but in the school, what makes you different is used as ammunition for people to break your spirit. What she literally says is, at this school, the things that make us different is the thing that they use to crush our spirits. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. The the next scene is just Will is helping Emma in the lunchroom with polishing her grapes and making them nice and clean. And he offers to help with her dealing with her OCD, which Emma vehemently hates calling it by its medical name. She instead prefers the terms deet freak or cleanie bug. And Will is insensitive. And also in this scene, he's got like his top like button or two open on his shirt and i'm like william 
William, come on. I mean, Emma, Emma says a good thing in this scene, which is like, how can we expect the kids to embrace their eccentricities when the adults of their lives can't either? Yeah. Which very much reminds me of a Tumblr post I saw the other day, which was like, uh, if you don't have time for therapy, don't worry, your kids will. <laughs> oh, that's and terrifying. I, just, just put, put a pin in that. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to it at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, that scene is over pretty quickly, though. Yeah. Emma says she may not be born this way, but this is her lot in life. And Will mm-hmm. is like, of course, Lady Gaga. Yes. The kid's favorite teacher. <laughs> Ranking of teachers at William McKinley High School. One, Lady Gaga. Two, Coach Beast. Three, Will. Four, Sue. See, I think I think Will ranks it himself and then Lady Gaga and then Emma. Oh yeah, I was I was saying the the students' ranking of the teachers. Oh yes, no, but, but in Will's head, and then he, and then he probably docks marks for, from Emma in this episode because he is a bad person. Yes. So, prom queen, you heard of prom queens? I have. Santana would like to be one. Mm-hmm. See, like, I only have one high school's worth of experience in this, but I feel like everybody in pop culture plays up being prom queen so much more of a big deal than it actually is. In American schools. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, I think only Quinn is the person who would actually benefit from it. And Santana, in Santana's, fl- the flowchart that she's organizing in her mind of her schemes. Yes. She has schemes and plays. Yes. Because Santana has a plot. And by a plot, we mean that she is plotting. <laughs> her end game is to get Brittany back with her. But Brittany won't do that because she's oh, a party. yeah. But Brittany's also gullible. So Santana's like, if I became prom queen, I could tell her that I've made a royal decree that she has to date me instead of Artie. <laughs> Schemes. The only way I can win is if I get a lock on the Glee votes and the Jock votes. But, and I can't date Sam because he's not popular and also kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. But I could date Dave. He's slowly been on the rise. She sees him walk past Sam while Sam's getting a drink and he checks out Sam's ass and she's like, wait a second, I'm a closet lesbian and a judgmental bitch, which means one thing, I have amazing gaydar. (laughs) And so then it cuts to, it's her and Mercedes and Tina and Kurt and Blaine at the lima bean. And Mm -hmm. Tina's like, hey, Kurt, does the fact that we're going to New York and the Warblers aren't fill you with despair? And Kurt's like, yeah, but it's fine. We're going to perform at a retirement home. Yeah. And also this whole scene, Santana's just pining blatantly at Brittany, who is having coffee with Artie. Yeah, but then Blaine is like, you know, I've told Kurt that it would be totally fine if he transferred back to McKinley. I'd understand, but I don't like the idea of it if Karofsky is still there. And Santana's like, wait a second, Karofsky, of course. <laughs> and she stands up and she's like, I gotta gay, I gotta, I gotta, go. I gotta go. And it's like... Oh, Santana, they probably all know by now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they know about her. They don't know about Dave. Yeah, yeah. But we can circle back to this because right now we got to learn about acceptance. Yeah. Accept yourself. Love yourself. It occurred to me that we could have been titling our episodes after the theme of the week. (laughs) That would have been hilarious for some of these episodes. Because what is is the theme for some of them? The theme is Will has abandoned Um, you, children. (laughs) The theme is loser like me. (laughs) <laughs> the theme for this week is actually no we just end up titling them probably after the yeah. 
episode titles. Yeah. Anyway, their assignment for this week is to, first off, sing a song that's about accepting yourself, your best parts and your worst parts. And at the end of the week, we're going to do a Lady Gaga number, which is not going to be anything used for competition. And we're also going to have themed costumes. Yeah, Miss Pillsbury is here with a t-shirt printer upon which you will uh, write something that you were born with that you are ashamed of or would like to change, which is mm-hmm. a bad wording of it, considering that some of the things that show up on the shirts are like, likes boys. Yeah, I. it's like, it's trying to do that same thing from like that Game of Thrones quote or whatever, like, if you make the part of yourself that people make fun of your armor, like no one will ever make fun of you for it ever again. Which is not really like accurate or useful advice. <laughs> well, it's but it's getting closer to the thing. Like, stop being ashamed of the things that you're ashamed of. Yeah, l- like like I said, room full of hammers. Yeah, and Emma to demonstrate like the idea of like, hey, wear this thing on your shirt. Uh, Emma's shirt says ginger because apparently she's ashamed of being a ginger. And she says something about, like, oh, according to recent legend, gingers don't have souls. <laughs> yeah, that's South Park's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Also, at the beginning of the scene, the club is like, we all accept each other. And he's like, yeah, you accept each other, but you gotta accept yourselves. This is the only club at school that's represented by just about every race, religion, sexual orientation, and clique. And it's like, okay, race, I can kind of give you. <laughs> depending yeah. on interpretations. Uh, yeah. Religion, blatantly false. Yes. Sexual orientation, I guess technically true, but some people are still in the closet, unless Will is just, like, guessing. Yeah. (laughs) And Cleek is, like, true, but also why are you putting it on the same level as the other three? Yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah, Emma declares herself to be Ginger. Hooray! 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 And Will is looking at her like, I'm so disappointed in you, you harlot. I'm so disappointed in you for not acknowledging the thing that I perceive as a flaw about you. Exactly. Okay, Christina, do you want to talk about the Lauren scene? Yeah, yeah. Finally, we've reached one of the lights in this tunnel. Blessedly. Because Lauren punched a hole through it. <laughs> yes. We then cut to Lauren's eyes. He's approaching the display case where they apparently just keep the fucking, the prom crowns and regalia during the school year. <laughs> the royal jewels. <laughs> yeah, they cut to the, we cut to the royal jewels on display and Lauren is looking at the crown and Puck shows up and she's like I haven't worn a tiara since I won toddler pageants for three years running because of how many pull-ups I could do Miss Tiara Toddler Allen County three years in a row thank you I forgot I couldn't write down the exact title and Puck is like how haven't you had a tiara on you deserve one and then she's like yeah well I stopped doing pageants and then I got the Zeiss thyroid problem and found out that I liked eating potato chips and she's like maybe I'll run and Puck's like I think we can get you a tiara and my note here is I want to see them do a heist <laughs> I want I in the context of I want to see them break into William McKinley High School and steal the crown jewels and take them for the glee club and themselves <laughs> They could if they wanted to, I'm sure. Yeah, which we see later in the episode. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I would have loved it if that would have been what this episode was about. (laughs) Trying to literally steal the crown jewels from each other. The prom queen is the one who gets to prom with the regalia. (laughs) See, I think Lauren would prefer to win it and steal it out from underneath Quinn and Santana. But also, uh, then if she didn't win, she would steal into their actual homes and take it for herself. (laughs) <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> just I just I just pictured Lauren doing like like the sneaky barrel rolls across like someone's house. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 
So like, okay, yeah. we're gonna fight. And then it cuts to Quinn and Rachel being heterosexual in the doctor's mm-hmm. office. <laughs> yeah, at the ENT, which is ear, nose, throat doctor for those of you uh, outside of the US. But apparently he also, oh no, I guess ENTs do sometimes dabble in plastics. If Grey's Anatomy has taught me yeah. anything, oh, they should have had Mark Sloan. They should have had McSteamy just show up <laughs> as a casting <laughs> gag. That would have been fun. <laughs> Crossover! But yeah, they're at this doctor's office, and they had some kind of a dialogue that I forgot to write down, and the doctor comes out and... Oh, I wrote down the dialogue. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Ra- Rachel asks Quinn what it's like to be pretty like her, and Quinn's like, I have a pretty warped sense of reality because I'm a hot 17-year-old, mm-hmm. and so people let me get away with anything. I've just always mm-hmm. assumed people are always nice and accommodating. I'm so privileged, I don't even notice. <laughs> pretty much, but it's fu- it's funny to see those kind of glee lines come out of Quinn's mouth, because usually, you know, she's antagonistic, yeah. but she's also the straight man. <laughs> Yeah, everyone everyone forgets that Diana Agron can do comedy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and the doctor comes out and Rachel's like, oh, this is my friend, Quinn. And Quinn is like, she wants my nose. So we're going to do some Photoshop. Yeah. Because the doctor is like, we're ready for surgery. I got the knives in the back. And I got like, that Zydrate. <laughs> Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? A little glass vial. And no, she just wants Photoshop. And... Yeah. But then it cuts into, hey. It kind of gear changes into yeah. a song. Yeah, but I will say, all the, the, this episode song-wise, all bangers, no whammies. Absolutely, fucking absolutely. Because we get to then go into the first song of the episode, which is a mashup of I Feel Pretty from West Side Story with the song Unpretty by TLC. And I love this song. They fit so well together, first off, sonically. Yeah, yeah, like, like their voices are good, and they have good harmony. Like, it is a good mashup, it is a good song. And, like, during this whole musical number, it's, like, them taking the composite pictures at the doctor's office and stuff, and also singing it in the choir room, and also them singing it in a classroom where they have class together, and also singing it in their respective mirrors at the school bathroom and at home. Yeah, while Quinn is applying makeup and Rachel is just putting up a bunch of pictures of Quinn's (laughs) nose. Yeah, which is, like, real fucking weird, Rachel. (laughs) And, like, there's a part while they're singing it in the classroom to, like, the Glee kids, and Finn is just sitting there contemplating them. He's like, hmm, pretty. (laughs) Like, the whole thing is kind of, like, the context of this song is, like, Rachel is debating whether or not she wants to get a nose job, because she's, like, looking at Quinn, like, as a standard of beauty that she wants to aspire to, maybe mostly because Rachel is still in love with Finn and wants to be with Finn, so she thinks she has to be like Quinn to be able to be with Finn. And then, like, when they're in the classroom, everyone is applauding, and they're good. Yay, they sing well. And Rachel is nervous, and Quinn is having angst. (laughs) Yeah, because of reasons we'll discover later. Yeah, and also, I feel like we should mention the fact that Diana Agron has had a nose job. Yeah. Like, she she did choose to have her nose be changed, and which just makes it especially ironic that, like, this is how Glee is handling it. Yeah, it's... We'll get to the moral of the story and what the moral should have been later. Yeah. Also, this is the only Rachel and Quinn duet in the show. We were robbed. Yes, we were. Because their voices legit work well. Maybe not as well as Naya Rivera and Amber Riley, but they work well. Mm-hmm. Right, so in the next scene, uh, Quinn is walking down the hall, and then she sees a trio of fat girls looking at Lauren's prom queen poster. And they're like, Mm -hmm. wow, she's so real. She's one of us. She's an inspiration. 
Yeah. So Quinn pulls up and sees Lauren putting these posters up and immediately goes full aggro. She's like, Lauren, how dare you run for prom queen? I am going to be prom queen. And the fact that you are running is going to make me swear vengeance upon you. Yeah, she she says, like, the only way that you're going to win is if it's a prank and they pour pig's blood on you. But Lauren is, like, completely unfazed. She just, like, straight up mm-hmm. is like, that no, you are some weird, haughty, pretty rich bitch that no one cares about. I am a normal person like them, and that's why I'm gonna win. <laughs> yeah, do you have Lauren's quote written down, like, about the person you are inside and stuff? No, I don't. I just have their last exchange where uh, Lauren says it. they want a prom queen like them, and Quinn says, no, they want a queen who's what they want to be, or something like that. Ah, uh, gleetranscripts.tumblr.com. <laughs> Oh, there we go. I found it. After that whole part about, like, they want a prom queen who's somebody they'd like to be, Lauren says, look, not everybody can be born pretty like you. But just so you know, who you are inside and who you pretend to be to the rest of the world, they're two different people. And Quinn is like, you don't know anything about me, but you're about to because it just got personal. And like, I would like to see more of this dynamic between Lauren and Quinn. Well, you won't. I know. I know. Lauren's time is running out. Lauren is too good for this sinful Glee. <laughs> Just to be on Glee. Not like her character. Yeah, oh no, that's true. She doesn't have like a, a ticking clock embedded in her chest. Thank God. That'd be too much comic book shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a reference for two people who listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe more. I don't know how many people listen to Eidolon. Anyways. <laughs> MLM, WLW, Solidarity, or maybe Hostility. Yeah, I'd go with I'd go with hostility. Uh, Dave and Santana are at the Lima Bean, and Dave is like, "Yeah, I'm kind of a stud. I've been waiting for you to like hook up with me." But uh, the masculine urge. Yeah, and then she's like, "Look, you're not slick. I know you're not straight, but." The- <laughs> Dave is like the masculine urge to flirt with a hot cheerleader, and Santana's like the masculine urge to check out another guy's butt. <laughs> Yeah, and he tries to cover. He's like, I, w- I wasn't checking out Sam's butt. I was just seeing what jeans he was wearing. And she's like, Th- that's that is that's still gay. You're having too many masculine urges, David. <laughs> yeah. And she has this whole line about how, like, like, look, I accept that you are closeted and would like to remain so. I accept that you're a late-in-life gay. You're gonna stay in the closet, get married to a woman, get drunk to have relationships with her, and and then get caught with your pants down with another man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, dark, but also, like, we're back on track of Santana's humor that I actually enjoy. She's not being mean about it. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's being extremely brutally honest, but she's not being, like, abusive. Yeah. She basically says, like, look, I have a proposition for you, and the proposition is that we pretend to date each other as beards and he's like what does that mean and she's like it means that i am also gay and well actually no she doesn't say gay she says we play on this we play for the same team because Santana will still will not admit to herself out loud that she likes women well i mean kind of sort of she she says i'm not ready to start (laughs) playing golf or get my hair cut to a flat top uh maybe junior year of college (laughs) Yeah, and basically it like it sucks this ultimatum that she gives him because she's like, either I out you or we fake date so that Kurt can go back to McKinley and I can be prom queen. Exactly. Because if David is redeemed, then Kurt can come back and then they'll win nationals and she'll get the glee vote. And if she's dating Karofsky, then she gets the jock vote. Ha ha. Yeah. 
But yeah, and the scene ends with her saying, the only straight I am is straight up bitch. Which that shit was all over Tumblr back in the day. Probably still is. It's a perfect quote. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a very good quote. Nice one-liners from Santana this week. Yes. So, uh, cinematography time. As we yeah, peer, yeah. we peer at uh, Quinn and Finn from within the lockers dimension. Which is a cool shot. It is. It was kind of weird because they, they start out as like a, a wide shot. So you see, it's just a black screen and then the locker shapes open. So you can see like Quinn and Finn at their lockers and like we're doing from within mm-hmm. the lockers. But you also see other students doing their lockers and it just, it feels real empty when it's the wide shot. But when it closes in and it's just yeah. Quinn and Finn and then this black void between them, it's a metaphor mm-hmm. for how they're distant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they have a spat over, like, accepting themselves for who they are because Finn is like, why are you being so militant about Rachel getting a nose job? And then she's like, once again, we are fighting over Rachel, who is not dating either of us. He says something about, like, we're supposed to be thinking about acceptance this week. And Quinn is like, well, maybe I'm not down with this week's lesson. Then she slams her locker and then Finn, like, gives, does a double take. He's like, I love this lesson. <laughs> And speaking of loving this lesson... It's Finn and Mike, and they do a dance. <laughs> yes. My note here, which I think was written at 1230, was Finn gotta be him, I gotta be me, him and Mike dance. Quick, check AO3 and FFNet. <laughs> yeah, because it's a very good musical number. He's singing I Gotta Be Me by Sammy Davis Jr. And Finn is doing a pretty decent job at following along with Mike's dance moves. Also, Mike is wearing a great hat. Mike is, Mike is in a peak high schooler outfit because he's wearing a green t-shirt, a black vest over it, a trilby, and green socks. Yeah. And pants. <laughs> and pants, obviously. Black <laughs> pants. But yeah, like, Corey's vocal range is perfect for this song. Absolutely. It's so good, and I was smiling so big, and if I'd had the time, I would have gone back and watched it again. <laughs> and he, he cannot keep up with Mike with the dancing, but he really gives it a go. <laughs> Yeah, he gives very good effort, and I would say that he does dancing about 50% of the time, which is a lot better than it was back in season one. Yeah, and that, then he also, he ends it with the Rachel patented arm raise. Yeah, because he gets a good note on like, I gotta be me. And it's a good belt too. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of Rachel. Well, for, first off, Will is like, oh yeah, someone who's not afraid to point out something they're really bad at. And Finn says, but I'm getting better, right? And there's just crickets. Finn, you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> but anyways, so then Rachel takes the floor. She's like, Mr. Shoot, if I may, I don't know if you've heard about my nose. And he just like, shut the fuck up about your nose. Everyone knows about your fucking <laughs> nose. Good God. Yeah. And Tina has a very nice speech here where she's basically like, look, I know we all have things that we want to change about ourselves, but Rachel, you hate yourself so much that it's inspired me to hate myself less. And even if there aren't many Asian sex symbols in popular culture, which like, it's okay, they're more prevalent in 2021. She's like, I am going to be the Asian sex symbol that I want to see in the world. And then she and Mike start making out and Will has to pull (laughs) them apart. But also, uh, I do have words. Uh, I have have some contentions with the speech from Tina. Yeah, go for it. First off, they're, they're really skating by the racial implications of wanting to change how you look. And this goes back to what I was saying before about the brown eyes thing, or it's actually, it's, really, it's Tina's only three line. Well, we, sh- we shall not see her again, basically, until she sings in Born This Way and has a shirt that says brown eyes. Um, but like, at no point is it acknowledged that for Tina and probably for Mercedes and 
Probably not for Santana, because she probably doesn't have to worry about that. But the, the, the girls who are not white. We can, I guess you can get Rachel's white, but we can kind of throw her in. Because they're, they explicitly say, your nose is big because you're Jewish. Yeah. Anyways, the, the racial stuff is a major undercurrent in wanting to change the way you look. And this, this is me speaking of things I have heard secondhand, obviously, because I am white. But mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. white and European standards of beauty have so infested... The, yes. the the world, yes. the society and culture. Like like going back to what Tina said about I'm just mirroring what I see in magazines. But it's like they never point out like, oh, because this is white people. This is white people doing this. And it's the white standards yeah. of beauty that encourage you to change your hair and change your eyes and like straight mm-hmm. up take skin lightening medication. Flat iron your hair because natural hair is uh, seen as stigmatized. Yeah. It's yeah. All... All that stuff. And it's like, I kind of grimace at the thought of Glee trying to deal with that directly. I also think it's just as bad that they didn't acknowledge it at all. Mm-hmm. So, and then also one of the things she says is when you change a bunch of stuff about your body, it just announces to the world that you don't like how you look, which is okay. I get what you think you're saying, but also people deserve to look the way they want to look. Yes. And have you considered trans people? <laughs> Yeah, like, the whole argument falls apart because it's like, if there are things about yourself that you want to change for your own sake, like, hey, I want to dress more feminine today, I want to dye my hair red, I want to get an undercut, like, I want to to dress more masculine today, hey, maybe I'm not assigned feminine at birth that kind of a thing yeah like like all all the stuff you can do to your body whether it be like simple cosmetic things like wearing different makeup or getting a major hairstyle change losing weight gaining weight losing muscle gaining muscle all that kind of stuff if it Mm -hmm. is to become the person you want to be to feel more comfortable in your body then that is Mm -hmm. good and so that is good they're they're trying to do a carte blanche thing of like or a black and white thing of if you changing how your body looks is bad accepting how your body looks is good and it's like i know they Mm -hmm. didn't mean anything by it but like that kind of black and white thing just kind of skates back and it's like um there's a tweet i saw the other day and um, or i can't remember maybe not maybe it wasn't a video and it also gets close to something that quinn says later in the episode which is wild that like the most trans affirming thing on glee this season was said (laughs) by the cis white woman could you imagine if quinn was trans quick Uh, harley to ao3 (laughs) No, because that's just going to get weird fetishization stuff. Trust me. <laughs> I was totally I was good. on the Glee King team back in the day. I knew what they were doing and it was kind of hinky. I'm glad that I was not. Anyways, um, but it's th- this idea of if you are changing your body to be the kind of person you are, that is the greatest expression of love you can have for yourself. It is not to, mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I think the quote that I heard outside of Glee was, I'm not changing my body because I hate myself. I'm changing it because I love myself. And... I want mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. a better fit for the kind of person that I love. And if someone can yeah. actually find that quote for me, I know I heard it recently, which would be two yeah, weeks ago yeah. for you guys. Yeah, it's like, if there are changes to your physical body that you want to make because you want to make them for yourself, go for it. If you feel like you have to change because of society, that's where that's where it gets onto thinner ice. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And, and also, like, sometimes there is, of course, the... Because we live in a society. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is me yelling while throwing chips at my computer. We live in a society. And that's why that line can sometimes <laughs> feel real blurry. And I think, like, yeah. it is important to say, like, Rachel is very adamant how this is her decision, her decision. And mm-hmm. the spoilers. But when she, like, decides not to take the nose job at the end of the episode, it, it is mm-hmm. like her taking a step back and saying, but is it actually my decision? Yeah. I feel like this week's episode theme 
should have been reflection. No, I think acceptance is still the right one. It's just that they wrote this episode poorly. <laughs> Imagine that. And like you, you definitely have to reflect on yourself to accept yourself. Yes. Because when will your reflection show who you are inside? <laughs> inside! Anyways, uh, back to the episode itself. Rachel has brought yeah. the composites and they look like the Faberry Nightmare Child. <laughs> yeah. And everyone is like, Rachel, don't do this. You're hotter as you are. And Finn is like, Rachel, don't do it. You're beautiful. And Quinn is like, hmm. And Puck is like, I've seen all the girls who come to Temple after their nose jobs, and (laughs) (laughs) even though it's great that I don't get poked in the eye, they're patently unfuckable because of it. And it's like, (laughs) bad. (laughs) Yeah. Puck is like, I have change blindness. (laughs) Every part of that statement is so cringy, it loops back around to kind of funny, but more in the sense of, wow. (laughs) Yeah, teen boy saying it. The point is over here, (laughs) and the Puck is over here. Yeah. Okay, do you want to yell at Will? I would fucking love to yell at Will, Tanner. Go off, girl. I'll hold your flower. I literally started typing this part of the notes with the title, Will is shitty. (laughs) Will and Emma are having lunch, and he has brought in a brown paper grocery bag with presumably food in it, and she's like, oh, hey, you're here for lunch, that's great. And he's like, I have come to confront you and diagnose you without your consent. I believe that you have severe anxiety disorder, and you need to change, and to help you change, I am here to demonstrate to you that I can eat fruit that is unwashed and have no fear of losing my life because of germs. And he eats, like... He's got like plastic packs of like strawberries and blueberries. He's got the clamshells. Yeah, yeah, he's got the cl- he's got the plastic clamshells of fruit and he's like, "Mmm, these unwashed blueberries are so tasty. Would you like some?" And Emma is like grimacing and it keeps cutting into like closer and closer shots of Emma's face as Will is like confronting her with a very specific trigger for her anxiety and he flat out says, "I just want to help you get better." As he's confronting her with this thing that causes her anxiety and trauma. And and he's like, you're so good at deflecting about doing reflection on yourself that you avoid doing all the hard work to make yourself better. And he like storms out in a huff and leaves her with the offending clamshells of unwashed fruit. And like, y'all, this is absolutely not the fucking way to deal with someone who has anxiety. As someone who does have anxiety, never, never do this. Yeah. Like, the the only place where he's in the vicinity of being right is him saying that she needs to not let it control her life. But this is him barging in and saying, I don't want your OCD to control your life, so now I will control your life. Exactly. Because he's like, hey, you know what I've heard? I've heard that exposure therapy is real great in 2011. Also, you should wash your fruit. That's not a germophobia yes. thing. That's a normal health thing. Yes, Absolutely. Wash your fruit. Spoken as someone who has wrung too many pallets of moldy blueberries through the cash register at work. Yeah. Not current job, past job, but still. I mean, if you- Wash if your you, fruit. If you, if you were like, I, I'm in the business of making yearbooks and also selling blueberries. <laughs> That'd be wild. But yeah, yeah. Don't, don't fucking do this. I wanted to reach into the television screen and shake Will back and forth. Just shake him? Just start. Okay. It's a warning shake. 
I reach into my screen, I pull Will Schuster out, and then we line up like that gif of airplane with like, someone's shaking him, someone's got a tire <laughs> iron, someone's got a baseball bat. Absolutely. <laughs> I should watch Airplane again. Also, and this is a small thing in comparison to everything else, but he also, he leaves the clamshell of blueberries on top of Anima's book. That's gonna stain, you just ruined her book. Fuck you, Will. Oh, I didn't realize that he put it on top of a book. Like, yeah, he put dude, it on come top on. Of book. Come on. Like, delicate fruits are terrible for staining things. <laughs> what an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Will. I know that's not news, but it needs to be said. <laughs> so, yeah. cut to the Gleek. Figgins and Dave yes. are both here. Nobody liked this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's he's literally standing in front of the Gleek Club with the principal next to him, and everyone is like, All right, hey, uh, hey, let's go to Costco and pick up our, our recurring order of torches and pitchforks and tar and feathers, because you hurt our friend Kurt, and you threatened to kill him. Get out of here. Yeah, and Dave is like, I'm really sorry about what I did to Kurt and what I've done to all of you. I'm pretty sure I've slushied every single one of you. And then we get a brief clip show showing exactly that. <laughs> yeah, there's a montage. And he says, I treated Kurt the worst and I'm really ashamed of what I did. And while he's saying this, it cuts to Santana who's melting along to it. Yeah. And we also get to see Sam say, how about we punch his face in? And Mercedes says, right! <laughs> And then he's like, actually, it was Santana that helped me understand the cruelty of my actions. She showed me all the news articles about gay kids, like, uh, hanging themselves and stuff. And I couldn't think about how someone could be hurting so bad to do that. And Santana made me realize that I was the one causing that kind of hurt. Mm. And it's like, okay, so the way I say it, it's making it sound like he's doing bad, bad acting. He's doing good acting, actually, both Dave and Max Adler yes. himself, because yeah. You, yeah. you feel the genuineness of Dave, but also that undercurrent of, I'm only doing this because of the blackmail. Yeah. He's not apologizing for all of the right reasons. Yes. And now a quick pause on account of this is the point where I started noticing everyone else's hats. Okay. <laughs> Oh? Because Brittany has a really nice, like, wide-brimmed hat, like a kind of like a summer hat, and Quinn has, like, a smaller hat that's, like, a little- She has a trilby. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, she has her own trilby, but it's, like, a beige, unlike Mike's, which was black, and she's also wearing a great scarf, mm -hmm. and, like, you look like you're gonna go into journalism. You should play Lois Lane, because, again, I was starting <laughs> to lose my grip on reality at this point. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> but, yeah, the, and the reason I noticed is because it cuts to Quinn, and she's like, wait, are you talking about the same Santana? Yes. And Satana walks up and she's like, no, I've been body snatched by heterosexuality. <laughs> We're dating. Kurt can come back now. <laughs> yeah. Because if Karofsky steps out of line, I will take care of it. Yeah. She's like, I set Karofsky on the path of redemption and then love blossomed. But also we started, we started an anti-bullying club called the Bully Whips. And you know what the Bully Whips have? Uh, what do they have? Oh, they have matching jackets. And, and berets. And berets. They have more great hats. <laughs> Uh, and we we get a flash of them like marching mm -hmm. up to Azimio, who's trying to steal Stone Regret's pants. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Hey, don't do that!" And he's like, "I'm fine." But yeah, and so Dave is like, "Please accept my apology." And he looks real ashy, and Finn looks real suspicious. Yeah, and then we get to cut to it's not intervention time, but it is supervised apology time. Yeah, do you want to take this one? Sure. So we're in Figgins' office. We've got uh, Dave, Kurt, Will, Bert, and Dave's dad, Paul. And Bert mm -hmm. is furious and he doesn't want, like, 
He would love if Kurt could come back to McKinley, but he is not comfortable with Dave being there because Dave threatened to kill Kurt. And Dave is like, yes, I didn't mean it, but I understand that like this, it was not right to say and how much fear I put in Kurt. And I am ashamed of what I did. I'm sorry what I did. And I know that like, you're not automatically going to have my trust back. And his dad, Paul, is like, now, Bert, we're around the same age. You know how long it took for us to realize that we were wrong to be cruel to the homosexuals. Yeah. But so can't you give Dave the grace of having to take just a few months to figure that out? Well, I, mm-hmm. and, and he does say like he backed up Bert and Kurt when they accused Dave of threatening him because he knew that there was something wrong with Dave. And now he's saying the Dave I know is back. He's a normal boy again. And whatever was making him freak out and be a terrible bully, that has clearly stopped. And Figgins is also like, yes, and because of the bully whips, the other bullies have also stopped. And Bert has a line about, like, I think the line is literally like, uh, yeah, and if I took all the water out of the ocean, it wouldn't be wet anymore. <laughs> the bullying stopped because the top offender stopped. Yeah. And this whole time, Kurt is just sitting there and giving Karofsky a Kubrick stare. Pretty much. And so they all defer to Kurt. And Kurt says, like, I believe Dave knows he did wrong. I would like to speak with him alone. And so everybody vacates the office, which is good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they shut the door behind them, and it's just Kurt and Dave. And Kurt asks, I've actually have got the exchange written down. Just a brief exchange. Mm-hmm. Kurt goes, yeah. what's your angle? I haven't told anyone. And then Dave says, why? It would have made your life a lot easier. And Kurt says, I don't believe in denying who you are, but I don't believe in outing either. But still, you owe me the truth. The whole truth. And then Dave explains that it's a scheme from Santana because he thinks that she can win prom queen and also it'll help the Glee Club win nationals. And Kurt's like, I'm both repulsed and impressed by her Lady Macbethian ways, a Latina Eve Harrington. (laughs) And Dave just like gives him a look and he's like, okay, if you're going to be gay, you simply must know who that is. It's like, okay, Kurt, calm down. Not everyone is as gay as you are. Yeah, yeah. And Dave's like, oh, I don't even know if I am gay or not. And Kurt's like, okay, whatever. And more importantly, if I'm going to come back, you and me are going to help start a chapter of Plea Flag here because you need to be educated. I understand that you're not ready to come out and I'm not requiring you to come out, but you need to be educated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back outside and Finn promises Bert that he's going to keep an eye on both of them. Yeah, yeah. And that's that on that kind of sort of, not really, but almost. But anyways, I'm trying to segue and I'm being weird about it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then we get to have a kind of weird, it's a weird short scene. Rachel is in the bathroom, Puck enters the women's restroom, and she's like, you can't be in here. And he's like, it's fine, I checked. Oh, no, no, he he says he checked to make sure no one was going through the peephole he drilled last year. Oh my god, Puck. (sighs) Spackle that thing over. Just when he starts getting cool, he does shit like this again. Yeah. And basically he tells Rachel, he's like, look, I think you shouldn't get a rhinoplasty because you don't need it. And also because having a Jewish nose has been passed down through generation of Jewish people. And he literally says, it's a sign of the survival of our people. And she's like, this is not about religion. And he's like, just hang out with me for an hour tomorrow and then I'm never going to ask you about this ever again. It's not about religion, but we've made sure every single plot, the time we mention it, we bring up the religious aspect. Yep. Anyways, but then we go back outside and it's noon, which means that Kurt's transfer is complete. Kurt Hummel is back at McKinley and he is wearing a top hat at a jaunty angle. (laughs) And a white leather coat. Yes. And Mike is also wearing his hat again. Yes. And it's cool because he like... I, I think, like, Puck, like, enters the- he, he joins them on the steps, and he's like, what's going on? And Kurt's like, Kurt Hummel is back at McKinley! 
And everyone is like, okay, cool, yay, Kurt's back, hugs all around. <laughs> and Mercedes is like, so there were some people who wanted to say a special farewell to you, Kurt. And then Blaine appears from within the hubbub of McKinley High School at cafeteria lunchtime. Yeah, and so do the other warblers. And Blaine yes. is like, you were great, and I love you so much. And I'm sad to see you go, but I'm happy to see you walk away. And I'll still have you uh, on weekends and after school, <laughs> but the other warblers want to say their own goodbye. And then uh, the warblers start singing Somewhere Only We Know by... Is it by Keen? Do I remember correctly? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Keen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very good sonically because it starts out as the acapella, but then the, j- the you see the jazz band in the back <laughs> who all conveniently yeah. have their instruments, and there just happens to be a piano out here on the green. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but they yeah. they start incorporating like the instrumentals in with the warbler backing as well, and it sounds really good sonically. Uh huh. It is a good song. It's very wistful. And I like it because there's a part where, like, as they're singing, you see one of, I guess, one of the jazz musicians, like, sitting on a lunch table with, like, their mandolin guitar slung on their back. And they point, like, hey, that's a musical number. <laughs> the crosswords <laughs> deal that we made in order to get good grades mandates that we must sing now. <laughs> or not sing, play. <laughs> yeah. And, like, several violinists sprout from the crowd and join in. And, like, as Kurt's standing there crying at being sung to by his boyfriend, like, the warblers all come by and, like, hug him or do, like, manly shoulder checks. And then, like, they all they all clear out and then it's Finn. And I teared up when he hugged Kurt. Like, look, my brother is back at McKinley High School. And I'm like, ah, Corey. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's real good. It's very good. Uh, and then the next scene is just kind of like a yes. a continuation of that on account of like it's Kurt wandering through the Kinley or, or in the mm-hmm. auditorium or in the choir room and mm-hmm. he's singing as if we never said goodbye from Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. just like, mm, we need a Kurt song. Here you go. <laughs> go at yes. it, Chris. Yes. It's very cool because, like, it kind of cuts between him, like, walking in the hallway and him on the stage as the tech kids are making a set. And it's cool because, like, hey, he's walking through the wave as they're running, like, a rehearsal. It's like, hey, he's making waves. Oh, I I thought it was a reference to the lyrics in the first verse, which mentioned cardboard trees and painted seas. I mean, yes. Also (laughs) also that. Also, why why is the stage set up here like this? Did did Kurt ask them to do this so that he could wander wistfully through it and then leave? Maybe they are using the theater for, like, an elementary school production or something. Oh, maybe. That's actually more realistic. Also, my note here is Kurt's outfit is Big Kingdom Hearts energy. (laughs) because he's got like a black short-sleeved mock turtleneck a vest like a like a brooch at his neck with like five or six different keys on it like white combat boots and then like he looks like he could be wielding a keyblade right now he does he looks like he's got a cleft key hanging around his neck (laughs) but yeah And what I liked about this musical number is that you can really tell how much both Chris and Kurt have grown up because it's a very restrained performance. Like, he's got great dynamic control. It is in a good key for his voice. He sounds phenomenal. And, like, you can tell that everyone is enjoying it, too. Like, everyone in the Glee Club is either happy, nostalgic, or approving. And I teared up again. (laughs) What did you think? I thought it was fine. It has no (laughs) impact on the show. It's just, like, a Kurt number. Here, here he is. Here's Kurt. Remember Kurt? Remember how Blaine cannibalized all of his screen time? Well, now he's gone. It's Kurt. Yeah. It's Kurt. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways. Time for the confrontation. <laughs> time for the Duchess of Angles. Yes. Because as they're, like, we then cut to Lauren passing Quinn in the hallway. And she's like, hey, Lucy. And Quinn is like, what the fuck did you just call me? And, like, then Lauren is like, come with me. We need to speak in private. Let's find an abandoned classroom. And they walk in and... Lauren is like, sit down, and Quinn is so out of her element that she's like, God, oh God, what's happening? And then it turns out <laughs> Lauren and Buck broke into the school records office in the dark of night because apparently they decided that the way to win was to read Quinn's school records and do some good old-fashioned, what's it called, brown journalism? Yeah, or just digging up dirt. I don't know what the actual term is. Mudslinging. Mudslinging. Muckraking. Muckraking. Yeah. Thank you, U.S. history. <laughs> and AP so US history. Lauren goes through like the whole summation where it's like, mm -hmm. you moved to Lima in eighth grade. And so there's no school records of the you in middle school before then. And Quinn is like, yeah, because I went to this other school. And Lauren's like, but I called that other school and they have no records of a Quinn for Bray. So then I looked you up and I found that you were technically an unincorporated township. So you went to a different school. And so I checked those records and I found this. And she pulls out an old yearbook picture of Quinn, but it's been all like photoshopped. So it's like, she's fat and she's got like, long brown hair and glasses and braces and zits and stuff mm -hmm. yeah and like this is all like tanner said it's set at dutch angles to show like just how much the power balance is shifting here it's practically flipped sideways <laughs> yeah yeah like this is a solid like 45 degree angle of rotation <laughs> and like it turned out that lauren was able to find the actual middle school that quinn went to which is called belleville and apparently, according to their records, they didn't have anyone named Quinn Fabray who went to the school, but they did have Lucy Fabray, Lucy Q Fabray. Mm -hmm. Quinn is like, look, stop. Okay. Yes, that was me. I, I had such terrible body issues in middle school because I had acne. I was overweight. Puberty hit me hard. I had no friends. So like I ended up joining sports. I lost some weight. I've got him proactive for my acne and when my dad got a promotion and we were able to transfer um i asked him for a nose job and he said yes and like relatable not the transferring part and the nose job part but like relatable and lauren then says so you hate yourself and quinn says no i love myself and that's why i did all those things i was a miserable little girl and now i'm going to be prom queen and then it turns out that lauren did something that is phenomenally shitty because she took the yearbook photo of middle school Quinn, emblazoned it with Quinn's terrible nickname, which was Lucy Kabusi, and put it up on every bulletin board in the school. And I should note that there are no other identifiers. And, like, the photo was photoshopped enough that, like, you wouldn't be able to tell that it was Quinn unless you, like, really, really looked for it. Yeah. But... It's still a phenomenally shitty thing to do. Yeah. And like, as Quinn like runs out to go tear down every poster that she can find, it's being backed by the song Airmail by fucking Yoko Ono and the Plastic Oko Band. Oh, apparently. I was wondering what that yowl was. Yeah, I just had it listed as off-brand Kill Bill Sirens, <laughs> but nope, it's Yoko Ono. Also, I will, I will say as terrible as it is, it is also very in character for Lauren to do. 
Yeah, but also, like, this is, like, if someone did this at my high school, they probably would have been suspended, if not expelled, for, like, breaking and entering and major big-scale bullying. Yeah, but this is McKinley. No one gives a shit. Yeah. (laughs) No one gives a shit unless you're Kurt Hummel. Yeah. Speaking of... Yeah. Puck has marched Rachel into the mall and she's like, is there a sale at Claire's? And he's like, no, if I can't help you, there's one, only one other person that can help you. And he leads her to Kurt, who is wearing a great hat. It's a red trilby. We're awash in trilbies today. Yes. Hey, it was 2011. This is true. And Kara is quaking. <laughs> so Kurt is like, the only person who can convince you to not get a nose job is Barbara Streisand. Because you told us yourself that she refused because she wanted to be an inspiration. And if you get rid of your nose, then you're taking away that inspiration from all the little girls that will look up to you one day. (sighs) In the kayfabe of the universe, Rachel's a good person. Yeah, yeah. I just, the thought of people looking up to Rachel as she is now is concerning to me. (laughs) Yeah, true enough. Okay, so, so anyways. Yeah, yeah. uh, Kurt's like, the only person who can help you is Barbara. And Rachel's like, is she here? And Kurt says, no, this is a mall in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, but Barbara's one in a billion. And Kurt's like, yeah, so are you. Anyways, uh, it's 2011, right? 2011, time for a flash mob. Yeah, time for the second flash mob because Puck turns on uh, some kind of a music machine. It's definitely not a jukebox. It looks like one of those machines that you use to like, get change <laughs> for like the little dispensers that have gumballs and M&Ms and stuff in them and Mike and Ikes. <laughs> but instead it just deposits music. Yeah, and in this case, it deposits Barbara Streisand by Duck Sauce. (laughs) And it's literally just dancing and Puck skanking by himself by the jukebox machine. It is fun. And like eventually the rest of the club is also there and they join in. And we definitely get some good shots of Corey trying to do a duck walk. Mm -hmm. There's a part where they all do like duck wings and it's fun. But it doesn't lend anything to the show because it's just them singing like Barbara Streisand. it though it's a fun song i think it would have been better if like it was the glee cast singing it instead of just covering or not even covering instead of just playing someone else's audio but you know that that is a good point it would have made more sense uh emotionally textually but yeah. just sitting here at twelve forty-five a.m i liked yeah. it <laughs> it just occurred to me that we could have had the acapella choir that, that does like the like, we could have had them doing acapella right of the Valkyries when Quinn was tearing the posters down. But no, they somehow ended up with the rights to Yoko Ono, and damn it, they were going to use them. Apparently. So, uh, in the next scene, we see Emma Yee. scrubbing a chair with a Lysol wipe, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is mood. Yeah. When I got moved in by the trio of uh, racist movers who were smoking and had their masks half off the whole time, yeah, I absolutely wiped down every single piece of furniture I had. Valid. But yeah, and so she, she's in a therapy office, and the therapist is played by Academy Award nominee and star of Apollo 13, Kathleen Quinlan. This was a huge news story when this casting occurred. Really? I didn't know she was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. She didn't win, so she must not be that good. <laughs> that's Aww. jokes. No, that's jokes. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm just like, oh, she didn't win. Um, but no, that was like, Glee has cast an Academy Award nominee Kathleen Quinlan as a therapist. Her name is apparently Dr. Shane. Okay. And Dr. Shane is like, I'm sorry, but our allotted time is up because you took 45 minutes of of the 50 minutes to clean your chair. Which is 
unrealistic because I could scrub that thing in like 15 and Emma's been having this for her life. So, you know, she, she should have this down to a science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the doctor says like, says in a very like, if you've ever been in therapy, you know that there's a way that they can, that they, that they speak, which is gently firm. Yeah. And like, she's like, look, you do have like, it, it's obvious that you do have a pretty severe case of obsessive compulsive disorder. There are ways to help you deal with this. If you would like to have them, medication and cognitive behavioral therapy are extremely helpful to people who suffer from this. And in a very 2011 mood, the doctor says that people's mental health diagnoses can be hard to recognize. And like, it's gotten a lot easier, thankfully. <laughs> but there's still a stigma. And that's the thing she brings up is like, there is a, yes. there is a stigma yeah. that prevents people from even thinking about seeking help because mm -hmm. they don't want to be ashamed of going to therapy. They don't want to be ashamed of taking medication. They don't want to be ashamed of needing to ask for help instead of dealing with it on and like the doctor talks about fucking postpartum depression yeah on glee yeah hey can she talk to quinn please yeah absolutely we cut to season three where quinn is sat down in dr shane's office and the doctor's like so you're clearly going through several crises which one do you want to talk about first yeah but yeah and like dr shane points out like look having obsessive compulsive disorder is an illness but you need to treat it like you would another physical illness like i think she used an example like if a student with diabetes came to you needing insulin would you give them the insulin or tell them it was just the way that they were born yeah because like one of emma's things is she says i don't want to be taking medication just to be someone that other people want me to be which is mm -hmm. it's understandable where that kind of thing comes from but again it's part of the stigma yeah, yeah. and the doctor says mm -hmm. your illness is not who you are it's keeping you from who you're meant to be mm-hmm and she's like, so we're going to have to follow this up next week. But in the meantime, here is a prescription for a low dose SSRI. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming. Actually, let me Google it because I don't want to misquote. She, I was fading out at that point, but she did say something about helps yeah. your brain retain the naturally produced serotonin. Yeah, yeah. SSRI is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I think it helps you absorb and retain the serotonin that your brain does produce naturally instead of like... The inhib like the inhibitions that may be caused from like brain chemistry kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. And this I think this is the best and only time we get good portrayal of mental illness on Glee. Cheers, man, I'll drink to that. <laughs> because yeah, it's it is the whole thing of and of course there are various other mental situations that, you know, some are better uh with just doing therapy and also it matters to the individual too. Like some people are better on medication mm -hmm. some people it doesn't work like trying to strike the balance can just cause more issues than doing other things oh, yeah. to deal with it but the point is that you need to deal with it yeah like when when emma made the comment about how i don't want the medication to go on medication because of it would be what someone else wants me to be like the thing is the normal quote-unquote normal people they don't want people with mental illness to go on medication they want people who have mental illnesses to stop having mental illnesses and don't talk about the mental illness don't bring it up it's it's not right just just stop just stop being depressed just stop being ocd don't don't go through any of the things that could help you process it and deal with it and become a happier person just stop yeah and like as someone who is currently in therapy for anxiety like it that is something that if you are wanting to seek treatment for it know that like you don't have to have exclusively like cognitive behavioral therapy you don't exclusively have to take medication for it like 
a good doctor will work with you to find a plan that is best for you. Yeah. And in Emma's case, it starts with presumably like a low-dose medication to start and also therapy. Okay, so. Yeah. In the next scene, we've got Quinn and Finn by their lockers. and But this time, we see them together. Mm-hmm. Not apart, but together. Yeah. And uh, Quinn is down the dumps because of the, all the Lucy Caboosey posters. And Finn is like, let me show you something. And he pulls a picture of the old Quinn from his wallet. And is like, this is my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I used to have a different picture, but I got rid of it. Because I like this one better. Yeah, and it's really cute. Especially because like, the picture that he has looks pretty worn. And I wonder if he got that from Quinn's mom. Oh, that would have been nice. Because like, if he and Quinn didn't meet until she came to the same school as everyone else, like she wouldn't have had those photos be circulated, but her mom probably kept it. Yeah. Moms keep a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cute because he's like, I believe in you. Like, don't feel like you have to be like your appearance is how the way you want it to look. Nope, that wasn't even anything remotely correct. He's trying to be supportive. He's trying He's trying to say, don't let the fact that you had to change yourself hold you back. Like, there, there's no shame in how you look mm-hmm. now, and there's no shame that you looked different before. Mm-hmm. Yes, true. And then we get to then cut to Quinn walking up where the three girls who earlier had been uh, admiring Lauren's poster for being, you know, like, the prom queen they want to see in the world. And now they're like... Hey, you know what? It's good to know that Quinn for Ray was once like us and she's hashtag relatable now. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lauren comes up to Quinn and she's like, well, looks like my plan backfired because according to Jacob Ben Israel's pool, you're ahead by 40% now. Mm-hmm. And she apologizes for being shitty. Yeah. In the, in the fucking shortest turnaround time on Glee from doing something shitty and apologizing for their actions. Lauren's like, Yeah. What I did was real fucked up and I apologize. Yeah. And Quinn is like, you know what? I respect you. I had to make so many changes to myself to be in power at the school and you just come by it naturally. Yeah. Which which shows that Quinn is now in a place where she accepts herself, but Lauren doesn't need to do anything about that because she accepts herself. Mm-hmm. And then they walk away having improved their friendship from this yeah. weird scenario. Yeah, and Lauren's like, I've considered going blonde. And then Quinn is like, no, you should go red. And she's like, ooh, red girl. <laughs> and I think Ashley Fink has been a redhead for a while now. Oh, nice. Oh, no, she actually, I mean, the, the first the, uh, image is her blonde. And she does look good blonde, but I think she does look better with the darker hair colors. Yeah. All right, so the penultimate scene. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we've got Brittany and Santana at their lockers. Brittany has made her shirt. It says, I'm with stupid. Stupid is spelled S-T-O-O-P-I-D. And there's an arrow pointing up. Mm-hmm. Santana has one that just says bitch. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, look, I've always been a bitch. When I was born, my mom said that I'd call the nurse fat. <laughs> and Brittany's like, but actually, I have a different shirt that I made for you. And this one says Lebanese on it. <laughs> and... Santana's like, I'm Hispanic. And then she's like, wait, is it supposed to say lesbian? And Brittany goes, is that not what it says? Oh, Brittany, you sweet summer child. (laughs) And then they have a fight again about like being together and being apart and who does and does not love who. Mm -hmm. Because Brittany's like, I I can still love you even if I'm dating Artie. And Santana's like, but you never actually said you loved me. You never said you loved me back. I put myself out for you and you shut me down. So now I'm with David. And Brittany's like, it's gross. (laughs) 
Clearly you don't love yourself as much as I love you, because if you did, you'd be wearing the shirt and dancing with me. Yeah. And Santana's like, nah, I have pathos. Yeah. Nah. And so then we cut to the auditorium, final scene. Will is there and he mm-hmm. has his own shirt and it says, butt chin. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, it's time. But we don't, but everyone's not here because we're missing Rachel. And then Rachel locks in and she's like, everyone, good news. I decided not to get a nose job. And Quinn looks upset at this. <laughs> and then Rachel is also like, but I have been ordered to avoid strenuous activity. So I'm staying out of the dance. And Finn, you better watch the schnoz. <laughs> And then Finn, because he's on the drums, and he does a <laughs> Yeah. Then everyone's like, oh, we don't know where Santana is. And Sam's like, she's probably making out with Karofsky. And there's like a, yeah, from the assembled Glee kids. But anyways, now it's time to get born that way. Yeah. Kurt looks like an emo nightmare. <laughs> yeah, very, very strong 2011's punk. He's got, his hair is all teased. He's got some dark, like not a lot of eyeliner, but enough that it's noticeable and it's dark. And he's got like the red plaid. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I missed out on singing My Chemical Romance a few weeks ago. So I'm making up <laughs> for it with what is basically a Gerard Way cosplay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. It's, it's born this way. They're, they're getting, they're borning this way. Kurt Shirt says likes boys because it's something he's ashamed yep. of and would like to change, but he won't. Hang on, this metaphor is falling apart. <laughs> yeah, Mercedes' shirt says no weave. Now, I'm not sure if this means that she's not wearing a weave, stop assuming so, or that she refuses to wear a weave. Or, like, I, I don't know. I... I haven't been paying, like, super close attention, but I feel like we've seen more of Amber Riley's natural hair Yeah. in this season I don't, than I mean, I think we've always seen one. her natural hair. Oh, okay. Because she, okay. it's not like she has the, the, like, the really, really tight afro, I think it's the 4C style hair. I don't think she has it that tight. I yes, think her natural yeah. hair is much more larger curls that we see. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen... Oh, no, I guess, no, she did have straighter hair in the first season. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe yeah, maybe there is a deleted subplot or just behind the black, she had a weave in season one, but now she's going by her natural hair in season two. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to keep an eye out for that going forward, yeah. because that would be a really cool moment of unspoken character growth for Mercedes. Yeah. Tina's shirt has bad, uh, not bad eyes, it says brown eyes. <laughs> Tina's a vampire. Mike says can't sing and Finn says can't dance. So I don't know why they mm-hmm. didn't get they- shit for more. They made those together. <laughs> Sam's says Trouty Mouth. Which would have been nice if, again, we didn't know all the behind the scenes weirdness. Yeah. It, it would have been it would have been nicer if it wasn't the only thing they ever said about Cord yeah. and Sam. Yeah. Artie is four eyes. Yeah, because if they put Can't Walk on a shirt, someone probably would have tried to sue. Absolutely. Puck's shirt says I'm a stupid and there's a dick pointing or a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Puck shirt says I'm a stupid and there's an arrow pointing down in the direction of his dick. <laughs> yeah. Quinn says Lucy Kabusi. And then Lawrence says bad attitude. Yeah. And midway through the song, Emma walks up to Will as he's watching and she reveals that she's wearing a shirt that says OCD. Mm-hmm. And like the the choreography for this musical number is pretty basic. I feel like they're just doing the choreography from the music video from Lady Gaga, but they're just They'll do choreography, then they'll run around in a circle. 
Or they'll run up and down on the risers. They're freestyling. Yeah. And at the end, Rachel and Emma and Will, like, run around in a circle. Like, look at our shirts. We're so cool. We believe in ourselves. Oh, yeah, because Rachel's shirt says nose. Yeah. Yeah, her shirt says nose. And then at the end, we see Santana in the audience with Karofsky. And she is wearing the Lebanese shirt now, but she's just not up on stage. They're both just being bitter gays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, the bitter gays are in the audience. <laughs> And, like, we should address the fact that in this musical number, they cut out the verses about no matter gay, straight, or bi, lesbian, transgender life, so Glee said no gay rights, apparently. (laughs) Also, I feel like we should address the fact that there was a point on the Glee live tour where Diana Agron performed this musical number wearing a shirt that said, likes girls. Yeah, and she says it was just to support her other sapphic friends. Yeah. We're not going to assume, we don't want to do tinfoil hats or people's sexuality. Yeah. But yeah. instead, we are going to gesture at just Diana Agron's whole oeuvre. Yes. And leave it at that. Yeah. Diana, you do you. You do you. You do you, girl. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Christina, let's, let's talk about if any of those hammers hit nails. <laughs> I think I just heard someone drop one. <laughs> <laughs> if they did, I think that it was in spite of the writing. Yeah. The best one was the therapy at the end. Yes, that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, let me actually, let me, let me say gold star. That's right now, like, very unstructured, but gold star at the therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, like, the, it's, it's kind of like the, they're mm-hmm. trying to say, the, like, just one thing about all these other things that are going on with people and, like, equating yeah. physical characteristics and sexuality and just, like, mm-hmm. skills that you're not great at with each other. They tried to make this, this episode about accepting everything everything about yourself that you are not confident in or that you would like to change or that you love about yourself. They tried to make it about everything. Yeah. And I feel like they did that thing where it's like they went with too wide of a net and so they really didn't catch much fish. Yeah. And the the fact of the matter is that there are people in the Glee Club and people in general who are going to have less that they need to accept about themselves. Like, Mm -hmm, for example, mm -hmm. Finn can dance. That's it, kind of. But Mercedes, she's got all the stuff that society punishes black women for, plus she's fat. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because we already had the Mercedes body image issues last season. But we season. also had an entire episode right at the start of the first season about Rachel's nose. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think I think that's where, like, it, maybe it would have been a better direction if instead of them saying, accept yourself today, okay, good, now you don't have to accept yourself again. They could have touched on the fact that, like, there's going to be things that you don't like about yourself all the time and it's gonna like come and go and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not only do you need to either accept those things or figure out how to make those things work better for you or better yourself so you don't have to worry about those things but you also have to accept the the fact that like you're never gonna love yourself 100 percent if there wasn't there definitely should have been something where rachel was like i know that this sounds bad because i'm getting rid of the barber nose but now i'm like reconsidering everything because i have this opportunity and it's like it's Mm-hmm. At, at every corner of your life. But again, going back to the yeah. privilege, especially if you're like a, a woman or you are queer or you're not white, you're going to get confronted with people saying, here is an opportunity to quote unquote look better. And you have to say, is this something I want? Or mm-hmm. is this something that people are saying I need to succeed? Yeah. Who's better is it? Is it your better or is it society's exactly. better? Exactly. And that they don't go into the society. The only time society is mentioned is when Kurt says that, like, oh, it's a societal pressure for the noses. I don't know why he sounded like a Smurf there. (laughs) I thought that was your Mickey impression. (laughs) 
Oh boy! I'm trying to think of a Kirk quote to say in the Mickey Mouse voice. Oh no, not another teen pregnancy! <laughs> I'm both repulsed and impressed by her lady Macbethian ways, a Latina Eve Harrington. And if you're gay, you simply must know who that is. <laughs> that was that was very good, Tanner. Get get your unforgotten eras doing that. And then meanwhile, in Radiant Garden, Kurt walks in like, Hey girls, I, I heard you talking about the door to darkness. <laughs> The door to darkness? I think you mean my closet during the winter time. <laughs> Riku emerges from the world of darkness with his phone in hand. Hey girl, I'm calling you back. Ooh, it's been a bitch tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Should the Mickey voices be in a, a bonus track or should we leave them in? <laughs> Up to Emily's discretion. Okay. I think they're good enough to keep in the full episode. <laughs> Emily, if you, if you think this doesn't mess up the flow too much, leave them in. Otherwise, put them in a separate track. Oh, I'm leaving it in. But yeah, I think that's where this episode comes down to. It's like, they're mm-hmm. saying these are things that are bad, but live with them. And it's like, not everything is bad, and not everything needs to be lived with. Yeah. <laughs> and also, sometimes living with it is going out of your way to either get rid of it or improve on the situation. So mm-hmm. yeah, going. Th- th- this is just me like saying in different words the thing we literally just said, which is that it's, it comes down to, is yeah. it, whose good is it? The thing that Christina just said, and I'm repeating her. Now I'm rambling. Christina, what was your Gold Star song? <laughs> oh, God. There were so many good songs in this episode. It's like you said at the beginning, like, all bangers. But I do think I have to give mine to I Feel Pretty Unpretty, because that is another song that stayed on my iPod even when my computer tried to brick itself in 2013. <laughs> See, I have that one, and I've Gotta Be Me, and Somewhere Only We Know, all three of them on mine. Oh, they're all so good. They're all so good. I think... I think I need to give it to I've Gotta Be Me, just because Summer Early We Know is extremely good sonically, but mm-hmm. the, it's Blaine. It's another Blaine song. <laughs> I've got Blaine fatigue. I've got Platigue. <laughs> Duly noted. There you go. I've Gotta Be Me. And then I already said what my gold star was, so Christina, what's yours? I think my gold star, I think I have to give it to Diana Agron's acting again. Okay. Actually, no. No, I take that back. Um, I, I still acknowledge Diana Agron's acting, but I want to give it to the Lauren Quinn dynamic. Okay. Because that is fun, and we're probably not going to see it ever again. And nope. I got to acknowledge it while it's here. R.I.P. in peace. What's your slushy moment, Tanner? My sl- Actually, no, before we get to slushy, I just want to say that my runner-up gold star moment, which mm-hmm. I was actually going to put until we got back to the therapy scene, but my runner-up is when the adults let Kurt and Dave discuss on their own, just because I think that was, oh, that's a good that was the most healthy thing that the adults did all episode yeah i i agree secondary gold star is letting kurt and dave figure their stuff out because like they the, i'm not gonna say they know that it's a gay thing but they know there's some kind of weird dynamic that is going on between dave and Karof- mm-hmm. uh, dave and Karofsky. i mean yes mm-hmm. but between dave and kurt that like they're not privy to and trying to pry into it might make things worse so like the, the, they are letting it rest on Kurt's shoulders. Kurt is the one most affected by this. And uh-huh, if, if, uh-huh. if Kurt says go for it, then we can go for it. And if Kurt says no, then no. But like, obviously there are things that the teens aren't going to say while mm-hmm. there are prying ears. <laughs> exactly. And then my slushy moment is the fruit. Yes. I should specify the fruit scene because this is Glee. <laughs> yeah. We could put it down as the, as the let me fix you scene. Uh, 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 I just got hit by foreshadowing right in the chest. <laughs> Because that's also my slushy. <laughs> yeah, like I said before, you're, you can't let your OCD control you, so let me control you instead. Yeah. Hey, before we before we close out this episode, I have a last bit of trivia. Okay. Apparently, when this episode aired, a reporter asked the cast what they would put on their own, like, Born This Way shirts. All right. Would you like to hear what they are? I would. So, Diana's would be nerd. 
Corey would be dork, Chris would be high-pitched, Naya would be loud, Mark's would have been saw, Jenna's was shy, Amber's was talks too much, and Leah's was makes weird faces when she sings. <laughs> Which, like, relatable. Yeah. What would yours be, Tanner? I know what mine would be if you want me to go first. Hmm. Honestly, I think mine would be OCD as well. Again, like, I think I mentioned before that I don't yeah. have any official diagnosis, but like, if uh, Kathleen Quinlan rolled up to my <laughs> the door and said, here's your certificate <laughs> of obsessive compulsive disorder, I'd be like, wow, I'm not shocked. Yeah, yeah. How about you? I would say mustache. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, we, we already had that convo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a conversation that we had last season. Yeah. So, yep. Shout out to girls with hair situations. Bow, 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 bow. Hey! Shout out to girls with PCOS and hyperandrogen. Yay! Yay! We are survivors. And also, that's what it would have been in high school. <laughs> so. Yeah, in high school, mine probably would have also said like spoils because I was garbage. <laughs> Anyways. Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know and we will work on getting there. We can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and through loserlikemepod at gmail.com. Tanner, what's going to be next week? A uh, rumor come out uh, that it's a tribute episode. Also, we should have a guest. I'll double check that they're free. But awesome. she wants to be here, so that's nice. So that means it's not entrapment. <laughs> she asked for this. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like looking at our list of people who have who have wanted to be on Glee and it was not entrapment. It's Riley, Emily, Harley, Casey, and our guest for next time. Yeah. I would argue that Riley was entrapment by the end. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, oh, before before we forget, this episode is going to be airing pretty close to Christmas time. So, oh wait, never mind. It'll be after Snixmas, never mind. No, it'll be... Oh, oh, after Snixmas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is gonna be out after the actual benefit, but, uh, if you have... If you have the funds to donate to a charity, um, the Glee cast is going to be doing a live-streamed fundraiser. It will have been on December 17th, but if you would like to donate after the fact, they're going to be raising money for Alexandria House, um, which was a favorite charity of Naya Rivera's. So if you have the funds, um, I'm sure that they would appreciate it. Yeah. And just in general, for charities, if you can donate directly to the charity, that's always helpful. If you can donate uh -huh. cash, or not cash, but like money instead of items, that is always helpful. Yeah. Don't donate through stores because they were going to give that money anyways, mm -hmm. and they're just using this to as a tax write-off. Exactly. And don't feel bad. And do not donate to the Salvation Army because they're intensely homophobic and are very cruel to the people who try and use their services if they are queer in any noticeable way. Yes. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I hope that's it. We're, we're, at, almost, <laughs> we're at almost two hours of recording time. Well, okay, this is a plus-size episode, so... Yeah, plus sized episode. Longest episode ever in Glee. Probably. But at least it was because, I mean, <laughs> there have been episodes that were only an hour long that still almost got us there because they, we were just so angry. Yeah. So before we hit the two hour mark, it's time for me to go three, two, one. That's what you missed on Glee. Okay, you ready? Yes. Three, two, one. And that's and what you missed on Glee. And that's what you missed on Glee. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. <laughs>
And that's what you missed on Glee. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye now. Goodbye. <laughs> that's all, folks. Okay, I have to end this before I lose my mind.